This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity. What's up? Are you feeling positive in this positive time of year? Are you in the Christmas spirit? I've been uh, spending a lot of money on myself lately. <laughs> a lot of self-care. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well, actually, uh, all things considered. Um, well, the quarantine is right up your alley. You already didn't like leaving your house, <laughs> so it kind of worked true. out for you. <laughs> and you know, you know, my apartment flooding a couple months ago was a blessing in disguise because it got me motivated to clean out an extra room in my apartment that I just had junk and... <laughs> empty boxes and shit in and I cleared it out and now it's my home office and so uh about some furniture for it I ordered some posters to put up on the wall so uh you'll be seeing uh Eric will be seeing some posters behind <laughs> me on our zoom calls I see in one to two weeks I don't know when they'll get here you should put a futon in there and sublet it <laughs> <laughs> there's no closet so it's like it's not technically a bedroom. They can't call it a bedroom because there's no closet in it. <laughs> uh, I don't have room for a futon right now anyways with, with how I'm using it. But Former co-host of the show, Alex Jones, uh, in college, uh, let's see, this would have been his junior year, I think, thereabouts. And he lived in a, I guess it was a townhome. I think it was a building with four townhomes, like in a square. Okay. And they each, you know, faced a different direction. Uh, but anyways, uh, so there's a basement, main level, second level. And I think there was, there's three bedrooms upstairs. There's four guys living in the house. There wasn't a bedroom in the basement. It was just like a washing, washer, dryer, cement, basement. Right. So the fourth guy... <laughs> He just slept on the couch and he had a suitcase that he kept next to the couch that had all of his clothes in it. <laughs> That's how I was living at my parents' house for a month. Yeah. Slept in the recliner for a month. Cause, cause even though my parents' house is three bedrooms, uh, my childhood bedroom and my brother's childhood bedroom are, uh, have been uh, blanket on the word I want to use, but they've been uh, remodeled, so, so to say, into non bedrooms. And so, hobby rooms? Uh, yeah, one of them uh, is like the computer room now. My old bedroom is a computer room. And then my brother's old bedroom is just where my mom locks herself all day when she's at the house. <laughs> 
so they, they don't want you staying over, huh? We don't want an extra bedroom for the kids. <laughs> Especially when, uh, you know, your brother comes from Colorado. Yeah. You're staying in a hotel, damn it. You and the kids. Well, I think when he would, when, when he comes, he gets the couch and then they have like an inflatable mattress for the, the girls. I see. But uh, yeah, it's not very welcoming. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah, I've been in the Christmas spirit. Uh, Jingle All the Way was on TNT the other day. So I caught about a half hour of that. There you go. I've been spreading the word. It's the best yep. Christmas movie ever. <laughs> and I, I uh, clicked on right during the uh, ball chase sequence in Mall of America. That's the best sequence because the continuity is just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, the second level or on the first level? They're on the third level, they're on the second level. <laughs> um, and then I stayed until the big show showed up at the Santa's at secret Santa black market workshop. Yeah. <laughs> This is the worst bust I have ever been in. <laughs> I forgot it was. The, I forgot the big show was in there, and he's wearing the beard like the whole time. So I'm like, I could just tell by his eyes and how big he was. Oh, that's the big show. Yeah. <laughs> that was even before he was the big show. He was still just the giant. I am. Did you see the little guy get punched? Is that where, yeah. is that where you turned it off? Like this is too much. Uh, <laughs> Mickey from Seinfeld. No, I don't think it was Mickey from Seinfeld. I think it was a different actor. Well, there, there was a, I think Mickey from Seinfeld was in there. Oh, yeah. He was the elf at the mall with Jim Belushi. Yeah, yeah but doesn't he go back with him? Yeah, he, he comes back with him. He rides with him in, the, in Arnold's uh, SUV. Yeah, but he was an elf. The little guy that got punched was a Santa Claus. Okay. Yeah, because Mickey, Mickey was at the mall with Santa, and they're like, hey, I heard you want a turbo man. And like, how do I know you got one? And Mickey pulls out the picture of Turbo Man with today's newspaper next to it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's our, like a ransom note. <laughs> uh, I've been putting that uh, link out to our Jingle All the Way episode on Twitter here and there. It's there you go. It's one of my personal favorite episodes we've done, even though it was 2016. Uh, but anybody who wasn't listening back then. You might have to go to the, the website, wtmwatchthismovie.com to get it because it might not be on all the podcatchers anymore. But uh, if you've seen Jingle All the Way, it, you need to listen to that episode. You might have turned down a couple of guys from Canada to our podcast because I was looking at the traffic today, the web traffic, and two different ISP addresses from Canada were just going nuts on our website like over 20 page views each oh you could tell they were searching different things because it would go to like wtm soonish then wait until dark then like a christmas episode you tell they were just searching movies <laughs> and this is going to different episodes but yeah, i wonder who that would yeah. be uh possibly i don't know there's one canadian podcast to listen to but i don't know if it would be them or somebody else i mean we get you know new listeners or, you know, visitors to the website, you know, every day, but it's, you know, they come in, they search for one or two things, or maybe they see an episode on Twitter or something like that, and they click on it. And, you know, they usually don't go down a rabbit hole for two hours and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> go to these different episodes. 
But uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. If you are new, we are doing our Christmas movie this year. Usually we do three or four Christmas movies sometimes. But uh, yeah, got a lot of stuff going on this year. So we're just doing one. And then uh, when we come back from, uh, I guess, Christmas break, even though it's not going to be much of a break, just be the week after New Year's. I think our episode on Death Proof will come out and another recently seen episode as well. And then uh, I think we're going to get into uh, our, I guess it's it's about that time of year for movies we watched in our youth. Yes. I signed movies up. Movies we loved as kids. I signed up for Disney Plus mm. to watch today's movie. <laughs> but I, I signed up for a year. It was $70 for the year. Or it's six ninety nine if you pay month to month. I don't know if I'll keep it beyond the first year though. I mean, it's selection seemed kind of light. Uh, I thought there would be more on there to be honest. But outside of like rewatching like the old animated uh, movies, or you know a few other like classic or like nineties live action movies, I, I don't. There's not a whole lot on there that would keep me enticed to to keep watching it. I'm still holding out as fuck Disney, especially since they took over 20th Century Fox and their uh, titles. Yeah, they must have. So now, yeah, they, like, you know, they always used to put their movies in the vault and it's like, well, it's not a big deal. You know, I can go without seeing Bambi for another 10 years. Right. That's not a big deal. But now they can put things like Die Hard in the vault and then we can't show it at the theater for midnights. That sucks. I mean, the theater's closed right now, but without COVID. You know, we usually show Die Hard around Christmas time once every two years or so. Mm-hmm. Well, you can kiss that goodbye. Disney's not going to release any of those fucking titles. Same with Star Wars. They got all the Star Wars rights now. Yeah, I don't know. I think they. I think Die Hard was showing at some theaters uh, within the last month or so. But it's like, that's because there's nothing else showing. Like, yeah. Like on a normal year, like Disney wouldn't be releasing that to like major theater chains yeah. let alone your there's, there's been a lot of you know a lot of like marvel movies you know being re-released you know go, go see iron man again you know it's been 10 12 years that type of thing but you can tell all that shit's gonna be no more they had all the chad they had all the chadwick boseman movies came out after he died because why not capitalize on somebody's death <laughs> it's disney <laughs> <laughs> All they do is uh, toe the line for China. So, you know, they don't really have lines that they would cross because there's no lines. Yeah, I don't know. But like I said, like, I don't know. They have the the X-Men animated series from the 90s on there. I'll probably go through that. Um, It's kind of cool. Blank Check is on there. I'll be watching Blank Check soon. I've been wanting to watch that for a minute. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why. it came up on one of my positively wolfy podcasts because it's been uh, reevaluated. No, because <laughs> this climate. Because there was a guy in Florida who printed a check on his home computer and bought a Lamborghini <laughs> with it, <laughs> <laughs> and it reminded me of the movie Blank Check. I thought it was going to be because that lady uh, makes out with like an eleven-year-old boy, and people were <laughs> saying it's like a pedophile movie. I don't. I don't think I saw that, but uh, I'll look out for that when I watch it because that's one of the the Disney movies that I was going to watch. There's an article talking about the controversy 
about six months ago because people on Twitter reevaluated it. <laughs> like, oh my God, I watched this movie Blank Check. You wouldn't believe it. This <laughs> woman like actually like makes out with this little kid and it says like he can hit her up when he's 18. <laughs> Go back when you're adulter. I can't remember what she says, but it's something like come back when you're 18 or of age. When I watch it, I'll let you know. Because he goes on a date with her and she does kiss him. I have a week off. I have a week <laughs> off after Christmas. I'm hoping to watch just a shit ton of movies. I'm also on Amazon Prime now, which is a pretty good selection. I got a 30-day trial of that, but I might extend that also. Um, so once we get into more recently th- seen episodes later in uh, January, I should have a pretty mm-hmm. good selection. Yeah, speaking of uh, being inappropriate with kids, uh, Home Alone 2 is this episode's movie of choice. I mean, I know we're going to go through all the details, but there were some very weird things in the beginning with Uncle Frank and being in the shower and little kids <laughs> seeing him naked. So it kind of ties into that. But um, And we do have a clip of it too. But um, Well, Uncle Frank didn't want the kid to see him in the shower, but his reasonings for it were questionable. all right let's let's get to the details of today's movie home alone 2 colon lost in new york directed by chris columbus written by john hughes at least for the characters yep and he wrote the story for the i hate when they do that it's a weird credit i noticed that on the opening john hughes and one other and the other is john hughes yeah, well, in the opening credits, it's like based on characters created by John Hughes, written and produced by John Hughes. It's like, well, if he's writing it, like, do you really need to say that he created the characters? Because, like, he's writing it. Let's be a franchise thing. Maybe. We'll get into it a little bit, but I think this, uh, having not seen this in a really long time, it's pretty clear that this was just kind of a cash grab that probably the studio wanted. Because yeah. uh, there are a lot of times where, like, it just seemed like he was out of ideas of what to do, you know, with the with the story. Uh, starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, John Hurd, Devin Ratray, Hilary Wolf, uh, Gary Bauman, who plays Uncle Frank. I guess I could go through some of the character names again. Macaulay Culkin is Kevin, of course. Joe Pesci's Harry. Dana Stern is Marv. Catherine O'Hara is Kate, or the mother. John Hurd's the father, Peter McAllister. Devin Ratray plays Buzz. Lee Wolf is Megan. Let's see, Terry Snell is Aunt Leslie. Kieran Culkin is Fuller. Tim Curry is the concierge. Rob Schneider is the bellman, uh, also known as uh, Cedric. Yeah. Remember, his name is Cedric. Bob Eubanks is the ding-dang-dong host. And the celebrities in there were Rip Taylor, J.P. Morgan, and Jimmy Walker. And then there is also a cameo by Ali Sheedy. Which I had her confused at first. You know where Ali Sheedy was in there? No. I don't know if I would recognize her without somebody saying, hey, there's Ali Sheedy. She was the ticket agent uh, once he gets to New York and he looks outside and he's like, oh, well, what city is this? this? This is New York, sir. Oh, yeah, and then she doesn't even 
blink an eye that there's just a small <laughs> child by himself at the airport. Because <laughs> first I thought that was uh, Adam Sandler's love interest and in Happy Gilmore and one of the moms from Modern Family, the blonde. Oh, okay. Because they look kind of similar. But uh, yeah, it's Ali Sheedy. Oh. Sure, because of her John Hughes connection. I just wanted her in there. Probably. And she probably needed work around 92 when this film came out. Synopsis. Uh, before you get to that, I think we should mention Brenda Fricker as the pigeon lady. Okay. And yep. uh, Dana Ivey is the desk clerk. Okay. So, uh, I recognized her from uh, She and Adam's Family. Dana Ivey. She looked familiar, but I couldn't tell you where she was from. Uh, so it says Rush Hour 3, Sabrina, Two Weeks Notice, The Color Purple. See if there's anything else. She was in, yeah, she was in The Adams Family. Oh, yeah, she was the villain in The Adams Family. Margaret Alford yeah. was the character. All right. Synopsis. One year after Kevin McAllister was left home alone and had to defeat a pair of bumbling burglars, he accidentally finds himself stranded in New York City, and the same criminals are not far behind. Except this time, they're the sticky bandits, <laughs> not the wet bandits. I like how that's he's... Sticky, that's S-T-I. <laughs> Why does he have to spell it? I like how he's just pulling like hats and scarves off people and they don't even like, they don't even like stop. <laughs> that's my, uh, that's like my favorite. Well, my second favorite thing about Marvin in this movie is just him stealing everything he can grab and nobody gives a shit. They don't even, they don't even acknowledge it. <laughs> my favorite thing about him is his willingness to reveal all of their plans <laughs> to, to anyone who will listen. <laughs> Specifically, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight at midnight, we're robbing, we're robbing Duncan's toy chest. <laughs> you see, we are hiding in little houses. <laughs> <laughs> just, busted out of the, just busted out of the joint. <laughs> I like how this movie starts almost exactly like the last movie, Home Alone, the first one. Yeah, so... Peter McAllister unplugs uh, the alarm clock this time. It's not like a power outage. You know, that made sense for the first movie. Yeah. But this one, you know, you think of the first movie, the entire house would not let Peter McAllister uh, be the, the wake-up call for everyone in the house. That's what I thought. Like, does nobody else set an alarm in this house? Like, only Kevin's parents have an alarm and they're responsible for waking up like 14 other people. And when they're running out, out the house into the vans, uh, I think uncle Frank mentions it. Like you give a hell of a wake up call, <laughs> you know, that type of a thing. It's like, well, d nobody else wakes up like in the morning. Uncle Frank is like <laughs> this guy. He's, he's a real jerk, but he's also like, just loves having his brother spend money on him. He's just like spending his brother's money, you know? Yeah, because it's all yeah, on he's such a cheap ass. It's all on the, Peter McAllister's dime, and then Frank is just like, "Your dad spent a lot of money on this. <laughs> he better appreciate it." Yeah, like uh, in the first one, when uh, it comes time to pay for the pizza, this is my brother's house. 
just takes the pizza and leaves. He's such a douche. <laughs> Your dad's paid good money for this. <laughs> uh, which uh, kind of leads into our, one of our first clips here. Right. I just want to mention the foreshadowing at the beginning of uh, just them shoehorning and, you know, Kevin doesn't want to go to Florida because there's no Christmas trees in Florida. And everybody knows how much Kevin loves his Christmas trees. So sure does. It's a well-known fact. And then also grandma gave him a six foot inflatable clown for the pool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just remember that for later. Do you think Kevin would know to go to Rockefeller Center to see the big Christmas tree at age 10? Is there something in the movie? Did he see a commercial? Come on down and see the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. No. A radio ad. No, but as such a Christmas tree aficionado, I assume that he's done his research. and. (laughs) <laughs> he says research <laughs> without google in 92 you know it never came up in the first movie but uh it was implied throughout obviously no no <laughs> not, not at all <laughs> <laughs> thought maybe it was something he recorded off the tv that's how he went to you know the plaza hotel because a ding dang dong i was always like what the hell is this ding dang dong thing that he keeps on playing back is that a real uh that's not a real game show is it yeah, not that i know of I, I assume it's not real but yeah i was just like oh i guess he's recording that just for shits and giggles but then he knows to go to that hotel uh when he gets to new york because he recorded it on his uh talk boy or whatever it's called yeah those were all the rage in the early 90s you were real hot shit if you had one of those. I did not. I don't know if it's in the trivia. I haven't really gone through, but I'm pretty sure they didn't start making those for real until after this movie because everybody's like, fuck it, I want to talk, boy. Yeah. And then somebody at the studio was like, should make those. I mean, somebody at Disney was like, well, we have another movie. We need a toy for it. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, they're getting yeah. ready for the big choir recital or a choir concert and kevin needs to get his tie on but it's in the bathroom <laughs> all right that's our uh, first clip oh, how's this oh much better hey kevin you better go put your tie on we don't want to be late for the christmas pageant my tie's in the bathroom i can't go in there because uncle frank's taking a shower he says if i walked in there and saw him naked I grew up never feeling like a real man. Whatever that means. <laughs> well, I'm sure he was kidding. Just uh, run in there, get your tie, get out, and don't look at anything. Uh, what does that mean? I think Uncle Frank is uh, saying he's got a big dick. <laughs> never grow up feeling like a real man. <laughs> Sure, he was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing to say to your nephew. <laughs> and like he's okay, we, we've talked a little bit about him being a cheap ass, and he was cheap ass in the first one. And this reminded me of I'm surprised they didn't show him stealing something off the airplane this time, like they did in the first one. Let me your purse. 
I don't even remember what he stole. Was it like salt and pepper shakers? Yeah, it was like salt and pepper shakers. I think you might have thought they were crystal or something. Yeah, something valuable. Put in your purse. <laughs> but um, he also just hates Kevin with a passion. <laughs> like even at like the airport, like he's he can't be bothered to handle his bag. Like, I'm not fucking touching that bag. <laughs> you know? Well, you ruined their vacation last year. That's I mean, he holds a grudge. I don't think he likes the family just in general, but uh, Kevin ruining it's probably because it's his it's his younger brother that's paying for everything, right? <laughs> like he enjoys the things that are being paid for, but he just doesn't like the people that he has to spend the time with. Look what you did, you little shit! <laughs> uh, before we go any further, I also wanted to point out that between the first and second Home Alone, the McAllisters did not become more self-aware uh, in regards to their uh, views on lawn jockeys. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, their taste in lawn jockeys has never been stronger. Uh, they still have the lawn jockey in front of their house, although this time it breaks. Yeah. You notice it actually broke. It didn't just fall over. And it only the they only got it run over one time. Yeah, I, I guess a, a plus if you're gonna think of a positive to that morning lawn jockey, it's that it's not like brightly painted, like with the uh, sambo paint job that uh, other lawn jockeys have. Yeah, it's a gold one. So technically, the the jockey could be a white person, but, <laughs> but we all know it's not. Oh, didn't we? Uh, what was the other one? Adventures in Babysitting had the same yep. type of deal. I think they had a painted one. Theirs was worse. And they're all directed by Chris uh, Chris Columbus. So I think he's got a thing for lawn jockeys. Probably. At least he did in the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> what else did he direct around that time? I wanted to go through his uh, filmography and just see what else he did. Let's see if there's some more lawn jockeys. <laughs> Heartbreak Hotel in 88. Uh, Only the Lonely in 91. Mrs. Doubtfire in 93. I actually caught some of that on uh, HBO the other day, but I uh, did not notice a lawn jockey. So nine months in 95. I think he was phased out by lawn jockeys by then. Yeah, I didn't know they were that popular back then. Like, I would think that'd be an older thing. I never really knew what a lawn jockey was until I, I'd say within the last 10 years. Like I was way into adulthood by the time I found out what a lawn jockey was or that they even existed yeah. like as like a lawn ornament yeah. and then what it was. Like I had heard of them, but like I don't know. Like you, I don't know if I'd ever seen what one actually was until not that long ago. Might have I'd only heard of the term jockey, not lawn jockey, you know. Might have even been like bamboozled or something that introduced it to me. But, uh, or at least the racist aspect of it. But I don't know, it was lawn jockey. Uh, that might have been a slur for short people back in the day. Because I know I heard it long before I figured out you know what it actually was for short people yeah a lawn jockey you know like well a jockey could just be a, a you know term for a short person because jockeys are usually short but a lawn jockey is even smaller did you see that thing it was like two feet tall 
Yeah, but I don't know. You just might as well call him a lawn gnome if you're calling him short using a an object that you decorate your lawn with. I don't know. Maybe they want the racial aspect in there too. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. Back to the movie. How about that choir concert? Pretty solid buzz. Great jokes. <laughs> Keeping it lively. Uncle Frank was loving it. He was dying of laughter. Not just Uncle Frank, everyone in the audience. Oh, that's right. Sands, Mr. and Mrs. McAllister were rolling on the floor laughing. I liked uh, Kevin's mom is like, you know, telling everybody Kevin Solo is coming up. And then they pass down and then Uncle Frank is just asleep. <laughs> they have to wake him up. <laughs> But yeah, Kevin pushes Buzz off the back of the risers that everybody's standing on. And then how about that old lady playing the piano? She took quite quite the tumble backwards off the yeah. stage. Took a real uh, real shiner to the noggin. Talk about a stunt granny. <laughs> you just needed a stunt ass, basically. <laughs> she, can fall, she can fall over backwards onto a mat or a mattress type deal. And then, but he got a cut away to see the the ass shot <laughs> falling off the stage that's right you don't know the the reference stunt granny is from uh god i can't remember what network it was it's nbc or somebody had a you know back in the 90s they used to have those shows like secrets of magic revealed well they did a version called uh secrets of wrestling revealed and one of the secrets was that there, if there's an old lady who gets in the face of a wrestler, she's a stunt granny so that the wrestler can push her back into her chair. And then they go and have drinks after the show. Of course, this came out in like 1998 and they hadn't done shit like that in about 25 years. So it was real relevant and current. I see. Well, um, let's see. So yeah, we already we played the clip that's after the no wait, sorry. That's our next clip, right? Yeah. The only clip we had was Frank and Is the kangaroo court at the McAllister house? Yeah. So uh, I don't know when you got it starting, but Buzz with his phony ass apology that everybody buys yep. for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And then uh they want Kevin to apologize. Yeah, here it is. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. I'd like to apologize to my family for whatever displeasure I might have caused you. What? My prank was immature and ill-timed. Immature or not, it was pretty golden hilarious. <laughs> I'd also like to apologize to my brother. Kevin, I'm sorry. That was very nice. Kevin, do you have something to say? Beat that, you little trout sniffer. Sorry, I did what a dick is. Buzz humiliated me, and since he gets away with everything, I'll let him have it. 
And since you're also stupid to believe his lies, I don't care if your idiotic Florida trip gets wrecked or not. Who wants to spend Christmas in a tropical climate anyway? Kevin! Kevin, you walk out of here. You sleep on the third floor. Yeah, with me. So what else is new? You'd better not wreck my trip, you little sourpuss. Your dad's paying good money for it. Oh, wouldn't want to spoil your fun, Mr. Cheapskate. What a troubled young man. Troubled young man, indeed. He's not afraid to tell people off. No, his mom just keeps letting him mouth off. He's <laughs> definitely a privi- privileged white child. Well, I think it's partially because I think she also hates Uncle Frank and doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> but everyone else is disrespectful. But, like, the lesson from the first Home Alone is completely gone. Like, want to be with the family, want to do this and that. You know, have a, everybody's happy and together. It's in the year or two or whatever it's been since that movie, everything is just reverted back to what it was. And uh, totally discounts the moral of the first movie. You walk out that door, you're staying on the third floor tonight in this mansion that is the McAllister estate. Is Fuller still wetting the bed? Oh, yeah. What did you saw him run around double fist in the Coke? <laughs> <laughs> There's that or scene. The Pepsi. It was Pepsi, right? In this one, it's Coca-Cola. I think it was Pepsi yeah. in the first one. It was Pepsi in the first one. But it was definitely Coca- go, go easy on the Pepsi. Yeah, it was definitely Coca-Cola in this one. There's that scene at the very end. I don't know if we'll talk about it there, but there's a scene at the very end where they all wake up and everybody's kind of strewn across the sofas and floor and whatnot. And <laughs> Fuller's got the whole bed to himself and he's got like six empty Coca-Cola cans in his bed with him. But he wakes up dry. Did we ever find out what Mr. McAllister does for all of his money? No, I don't think they ever say what he does because he is loaded he's got primo real estate in chicago nice big house that house is huge he, he pays for extended family vacations every christmas flying american airlines what, to seven, france to florida 17 people uh 14 is it 14 i believe i can't remember it might have been 17 the first one but it's 14 in this one is seven and seven seven in each van i thought she was counting off 17 in this one but who knows? Like seven, seven, 14. <laughs> there's so many people. Like, you can't even keep track of who's in whose family. Like, whose kids are whose. Yeah. Not that and then every once in a while, uh, like, people, like, anniversaries will come up for Home Alone. And, like, the random other, like, cousins that have, like, one line, <laughs> they'll, like, be interviewed about it. And it's like, <laughs> who gives a fuck? Like, when did you work last? Well, on Home Alone 2. You're a glorified extra that got, you know, lucky and he got into a big movie. Like, they may have had a line in the first movie, but they have very few lines in this movie. It's The line they have in this movie is, hand this to Kevin, and Kevin's not here. That's right. That's the only thing they say, (laughs) unless they're Buzz. In the first one, they had uh, something more to say, but... What happened to Buzz's uh, girlfriend? She never shows up. (laughs) Woof. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Buzz's boyfriend, because that was actually a little boy, remember? Yeah, but... Fun facts. Yeah, but she she identified as a girl, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Buzz's girlfriend. (laughs) Woof. 
They didn't want there to, you know, people to be making fun of it, a little girl. So, yeah. Well, you know, in our, uh, in, in the first home alone, Kevin's wish was that he didn't have a family. In this one, his wish is that he could take his own vacation. Mm-hmm. And his mom once again says, I hope that happens for you because, you know, she forgot what happened last time, apparently, until they got on the plane. She goes, get your wish last year. Maybe they'll get it again this year. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like, no growth from the previous movie. Like, anything that happened in the previous movie that caused any kind of development with these characters, completely gone at the beginning of this one. So, yeah, let's uh, fast forward to the airport. Uh, everyone's in a rush, of course. And then th- this time it's on Kevin. He has to stop and put the batteries in his talk boy. A hundred percent on him. What a, <laughs> and then like, wh- and then on top of that, why does his dad have his wallet with his envelope full of cash and all his uh, credit cards and all that stuff in his carry on bag? Like, why is that not on your person? Like that, Seems like a very risky thing to do. And he was going to give it to like the, uh, like the uh, uh, baggage guy at the curb until Kevin took it to get his batteries. Yeah. Although you could say uh, Peter McAllister should have been, you know, looking behind for his son to make sure he's keeping up because you can get lost in an airport or somebody could have snatched him. You know, not going to happen, but. Well, especially after. Some parents usually do is keep on looking back to make sure their 10 year old child is next to them that's what good parents would do or like hold on to his sleeve or something and hold it so we'll say it's 95 percent kevin and five percent peter McAllister. he just happens to, to look down for a second kevin does and then he looks back up and he sees another guy wearing the same coat his dad's wearing and he that guy starts running because he's late and he follows him thinking it's his dad runs into the the gate attendant knocks all the boarding passes on the floor. And since 1992 airport security is lax as fuck, they just let him on the plane. And the, the check that his family is there is, he says, oh yeah, there's my dad in first class. Yeah, they, he made sure that he located his family yep. before she left. And then she's just find that seat anywhere. Also, I was a little confused. So Kevin has his dad's bag. Yep. He says all stuff in there. But it says K. McAllister on it because that's how Marv and Harry know that it's him from behind. It says K. McAllister embroidered because he's wearing it like a backpack. Now, when Rob Schneider is snooping through it, there's a, tag, a luggage tag that says Peter McAllister. Right. So he doesn't have a second bag, right? That's why I was wondering why it said K. McAllister on it. Yeah, I was trying to say P. I, I remember seeing that and I. For some reason, I don't know if I was thinking he had a second backpack of his stuff, but I don't remember. I thought he, he just had the one bag, I think. Cause I, ne- I never see him with two bags. So I always thought like, when he's wearing it like a backpack, that was always just his dad's oh, carry-on. Maybe it's his mom's because his mom's name is Kate. Okay. That could be it. But then they put his dad's name on the, you know, if found. That's not a woman's too. bag, though. Come on now. No, probably not. Backpack. It had that weird um, opening. Like it wasn't, it was like a yeah. rostering open or, uh, you know, the open and close it. But 
Yeah. And, you know, Peter said it was my bag. <laughs> Maybe Peter's his middle name. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But Kevin, he gets on the plane thinking he's going to uh, Miami. And then he puts his headphones in to ignore the French dude sitting next to him. And he misses the announcement that he's going to New York City. I like how he just drones on and on, even when Kevin like puts on his headphones. <laughs> just can't read the room whatsoever. But Kevin asks him in English, have you ever been to Florida? And then the guy just starts <laughs> going off in French for 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, are you aware that you're talking to nobody? Like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think the next clip is the family is at the baggage claim in Miami. And sure are. Somebody picks up Kevin's bag after the carousel, and uh, yeah, well, I'll let you play the clips there. Who's is this? That's Brooke. This is Megan. Brooke, give this to Brooke. Give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Give this. Give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin. Kevin. Give this to 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 Kevin. Here you go, Kevin. Kevin's not here. 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 What? She drops dead. Wouldn't that be a, a sharp turn of events? <laughs> yeah. And then they meet with uh, police or whatever, and they're talking about, has he ever been uh, on his own before? Like, no, not. Well, there was that one time. I mean, this, this has happened before. But they have a good old time at the police station. Although we've never lost our luggage. Yeah, funnily enough, we never lost our luggage. <laughs> oh, our kid is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Big departure from the first film when they're just distraught. <laughs> I mean, he is a year. I mean, it's. I think it's supposed to be one year since the first one, but I think it was, what, two years in real time? So. And this has got to be worse. Worst situation in the first one. He's in a he's in New York City, a city he doesn't know. On the first one, he's just at home. He's home alone, but he's home. Right. They don't even know that he's in New York because they lost him at the airport. Like uh, I saw him at the the curb, you know, drop off, and uh, he had my bag. That's right. And they don't they don't know you New York just yet. Yeah, they don't find out he was in New York until probably a day or two later. But they do know he's not at home. Yeah, which is much worse, like you said. <laughs> For him to just be – nobody knows where he is. He could be dead for all they know. Somebody could have murdered him in the bathroom at the airport. Maybe that dude from To Live and Die in L.A. came busting out of the stall. <laughs> Freeze! <laughs> I did nothing wrong in the Minneapolis airport. <laughs> Love that sound clip. <laughs> what uh what politician was that again i don't remember he's uh 
either a senator or a representative from, I want to say, Idaho. And he was, um, he was like, Stop. having some homosexual relations in the bathroom of the Minneapolis airport. Well, somebody reported him because he was like waving his hand under the stall because apparently that was the signal. And he's like, uh, it was, no, I wasn't asking for gay sex. I was, I was seeing if you had toilet paper. <laughs> I've never done this I, before. <laughs> I heard the signal was somebody like hits your feet, like with their feet, like they'll. Oh, that's right. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. He had his, he's like, I have a wide stance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what it was. Which is funny because uh, after I found out that was like a, a secret, like homosexual code to like, let's do stuff is hit the other person's feet. Yeah. Like uh, memories began flooding into my head of like once or twice having weird encounters in the bathroom where you're just sitting there minding your business <laughs> and someone like hits your feet and you're like, what the f fuck are you doing? Like you think <laughs> they're going to ask for toilet paper or something or, but they're just silent. <laughs> and then like not knowing what that was at the time. And then thinking back on it, like, Oh, some dude wanted to have sex. <laughs> that whole thing, that whole situation makes a lot more sense now. I think Much that guy. Humorous. I think that guy. He resigned his spot, and then like six months later, he admitted that he was gay and he was actually trying to get some sex at the airport bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, that didn't happen to Kevin that we know of, but. Yeah. Uh, how about when he gets to New York, you know, he freaks out for a second and then he's like, oh yeah, this is what I wished for. My wishes come true when I, you know, yell at my mom. And uh, how about how he rides in a taxi cab across the bridge, whatever <laughs> bridge that was. It's like, like a dog. He his head out the window like a fucking dog. <laughs> Although we were talking about inappropriate people, especially with kids. There is a scene in here that is... Again, inappropriate with the kids where he's going through New York at night and it's all seedy and strange characters and these these there's like these scary pedophile hookers. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. That's right. So, well, you want us to read you a bedtime story or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about him going to the top of the World Trade Center? Yeah. That's, uh, that's quite the scene nowadays. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing that a lot lately because I watched Trading Places again the other day and that ends at the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. It was like the most common scene in movies. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, you know, they talk about how different movies and shows predicted the World Trade Center coming down. I just hope that nobody ever attacks the Golden Gate Bridge because then it would be like, look at these five million movies that blew <laughs> up the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> they saw it coming. <laughs> they predicted it. All, all 75 movies that came out in that five-year span that blew up the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> James Bond movie where a, a Zeppelin crashes into it. <laughs> Remember when Magneto pulled the bridge up and turned it sideways? <laughs> Is that what you call it, an airship, a Zeppelin? Yeah, a Zeppelin's like a, kind of like a hot air balloon type thing. Yeah. Christopher Walken uses a hot air balloon in A View to a Kill. <laughs> <laughs> With his name 
on the side of it, like Trump. <laughs> it says Shrek. <laughs> I think. Wait, no, Zoran. Shrek no, was Shrek. his name in Batman Returns. Right. Zoran's his name in Avito and Kill. <laughs> Speaking of Trump, <laughs> uh, Kevin's about to meet him. But first, we see Harry and Marv are out in New York. They're in the fish truck. <laughs> what does it smell like? <laughs> fish it smells like fish no it's freedom no i think that's fish it's freedom and it's money and it's fish <laughs> and uh yeah so we get the introduction they're now the stinky the sticky bandits <laughs> but uh so we get them we get a quick glimpse of the pigeon lady who will become a big factor later on did you know this movie is two full hours? Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be that long when I got into it. It's a long one. And there's, a, I don't know, there's just like a lot of stuff that they probably didn't need to put in there. But like The Trump scene? <laughs> yeah, but, somebody yeah, walks Harry, into a hotel and somehow doesn't know how to find the lobby. That's what I said. Like, why is the lobby so hard to find? <laughs> like, is that not like the first thing that is right there inside the door? Like, why do you have to go down the hall and to the left? So, like, does Trump still own that hotel? I don't know. Did he own it back then? I, I think that's why he got in, into the scene. Because, like, Columbus talked about how he kind of strong-armed his way into it. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't want to have that scene in there. Maybe he just hangs out at the plaza just all the time and, you know, just happened to see them filming. Maybe it does that they were filming in New York. This is my town. <laughs> People loved him back then, though. Yeah. That was the goal, was Trump money. Mm-hmm. He was very popular among Hollywood's rich and famous. Yeah. Rich and shameless. I don't know what happened, because all of a sudden, around like 2015, people stopped liking him. Pretty much. But anyways, Kevin makes a reservation from the hotel lobby for the hotel. Using the talk but boy. Using the talk boy. Because he's got the phone number on his talk boy from the Ding Dang Dong show. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he knows all the questions they're going to ask him before he calls. And he pre-records all the answers. Credit card, it, you got it. I don't think it works like that. <laughs> <laughs> then the lady checks him in, no questions asked. Well, he's yeah. always good at talking his way in and out of trouble. He's a good shit talker. Do you think that I would be alone in New York City by myself? I don't think so. What is he, what is he saying in the supermarket in the first one? He's like, ma'am, I'm eight years, eight years old. He's like, I'm still, uh, what is he saying, scared of the dark or yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Do you think my mom will let me come to the grocery store by myself? I don't think so. That's his response to everything, to make you feel stupid. <laughs> like, why would you question that? I mean, that's a stupid question. Is this toothbrush endorsed by the American Dental Association? (laughs) Son, you got to pay for that toothbrush. (laughs) Son. Hey. Son. Shop left arm. (laughs) For a toothbrush. I did note that Tim Curry is the concierge, and he's very suspicious, although the desk lady is more trusting. I think this is also about the time. I think it's before he gets to the hotel when he sees the pigeon lady first time. Yeah, I I'm, just, sorry, I I'm sorry, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, the character named Gross Looking Bird Bum. 
Is that the character name? No, it's not, but it's what it should be. <laughs> Might as well be. I did kind of mention that in passing, but yeah, uh, he's <laughs> kind of gone through the park and there's that pigeon lady and he freaks out because he didn't learn his lesson from the first movie about judging people by their looks. I got to tell you, I know it's a spoiler already for the end. Marvin Harry are attacked by the pigeons, but all I could think about was George Cassandra just trampling numerous pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> we had a deal. We had a deal. <laughs> just doing that slow run. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a squirrel. We didn't have a deal with the squirrels. <laughs> Deal's off. Last time I checked, there's no deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he uh, he sees her at the park, and he's he's like, he rightly so says that lady's gross. I want nothing to do with her. <laughs> yeah. <the> fucking birds, <laughs> covered in bird shit. Like they're shoehorning this. You know, they need a old shoveler character like the first one. Yeah, so they shoehorn this lady in there, but it's like. So the first one, yeah, it's kind of creepy, but I don't know. He's actually, you know, salting the sidewalks. I mean, Buzz gives that creepy backstory about, you know, the salt is like mummified remains of people he's killed. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seems like the, the bird lady in this one just doesn't make any sense. Like, I guarantee you 99% of the New Yorkers hate that woman with a passion. They're like, we have enough pigeons, and all you do is keep on feeding them and bring them around. <laughs> right. They fucking I, hate him. I I bet you they uh, the rats with be, wings. <laughs> I bet you the writer or John Hughes said to himself, you know, it'd be funny if they go to Central Park and they get attacked by pigeons, and then he reverse engineered it, and then he's like, well, she needs to have a reason to help Kevin out, and well, we'll make them friends, and he'll learn to not judge people by their looks again, and. Yeah, I'm sure that concert hall just loves it that the old lady is squatting in their attic and letting all these pigeons in. Right. They can freely fly about the uh, auditorium because Kevin's just looking into it from the the lights are up there. Right, yeah. He's just watching the show. And there's just pigeons everywhere shitting on all the old tubas and harps. Oh, man. And it's like, no wonder nobody wants to be around you. I mean, you're fucking gross. And where is she getting money for all this pigeon? You know, she's feeding like 3,000 pigeons a day. <laughs> she doesn't have a job, obviously. And, but, uh, and without a job or a place of residence, you are a <laughs> bum. <laughs> Judge Volta clarified in 94 that she's a bum. Maybe she was selling those old instruments that were up in the attic. Could have been. You know, a lot of gold or scrap metal in there. She's and brass, I guess, bronze. She's brass. just as bad as the sticky bandits. <laughs> but she's doing it for a good cause. Doing it for the birds. The sticky bandits are honest about what they're doing, you know, with their uh, lives. They're going to do one big job, get some passports, and get out of the country. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Kevin, you know, he. He gets in the hotel room and, you know, he's watching movies. He's watching the sequel, Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Yeah, I love that. Even Filthier Souls. <laughs> Great sequel title. Eating his uh, room service ice cream with his 
personal uh, ice cream scooper. Uh, I forget when we talked about Home Alone 1, did we talk about the actor who plays the dude in Filthy Souls? We might have. Yeah, I think we might have. I know Columbus, I I forget which camera he used to make it look, again, what filters, you know, to make it look like an old, you know, movie from the 50s. But um, I was wondering if we found out what actor that is because, you know, you recognize him, I mean, mostly from this, but it seemed like he was in something else too. I'll see if I can find it, but you can uh, go on with the story. Yeah, so he's watching the uh, the movie while he's getting his custom ice cream, uh, personal waiter, if you will. And uh, yeah, basically the scene is the character in the movie is uh, his girlfriend. He's caught her smooching with everybody around town and he's going to make her pay for it. But I think we forgot to mention too, uh, Rob Schneider's the bellboy and he's constantly asking for a tip. And the first tip Kevin gives him is a stick of bubble gum. I forget. <laughs> it was some kind of fruity. It was, um, was it fruit stripes? Yeah, fruit stripes. And then the next time, Rob Schneider declines a tip because he still has the, <laughs> the previous tip. Rob Schneider Kevin, is the stapler. And Kevin flashes a whole bunch of like $50 bills. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> so I'm looking at this actor's filmography. Only in 20 or 19 things acted in. Name's Ralph Foodie. And he's credited as gangster in this one. And in the Home Alone 1, it's gangster number one, parentheses, Johnny. Because remember the guy in there says, Johnny, I'm sorry. Right? Yeah. So it's got to be this guy, Ralph Foodie. And he's in some random things. You know, looks like very small roles but it says he's captain and raw deal it's been a, a couple of years since i watched raw deal so i think he's probably the captain in raw deal i might have recognized him in that he's also police dispatch in the blues brothers have you finally watched that yet yeah i, I saw that years ago okay but it's been a long time since i've i've watched it he's it's in a really good movie he's in above the law i might have seen that one too that was, uh, was that Seagal? Yeah. I've seen Above the Law. I think that was, that was his first one. But, uh, yeah. We can proceed with the story now. Ralph Foodie. Mystery solved. There you go. But, uh, yeah. So, Kevin's in, in, eating his ice cream, watching his movies. And Tim Curry comes a snooping. Always snooping. Concierge. He's very not trusting. He uh, lets himself into the room and he uh, gets tricked into thinking he caught somebody in the shower using the clip of Uncle Frank earlier. Yep. So I was supposed to just say Uncle Frank and then Tim Curry hurting himself. But (laughs) here we go. Cat you ever did see. When they see me walking down the 
So the song was Cool Jerk, written by Donald Storball, performed by the Capitals. Now I was trying to figure out, is this the original or is this a cover? This is the I... original, right? Or not? So I'm trying to Probably. remember where I've heard it before, like familiar with it. And I can't remember if it was this group or uh, maybe I recognize the cover and not the original. I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, back in the, when that came out, like you'd have one song get recorded by like five different groups within the same year. So it was like, you know, whoever got theirs uh, to go bigger, you know, kind of won. But I don't know if I've even heard of the Capitals. I don't know. They might've been one hit wonders too. I mean, when you Google cool jerks, it comes up with the Capitals. Okay. Must be the original. OG. Capitals with a O. Mm-hmm. Capitals. Capitals. Looks like, the, looks like the Go-Go's remade it. Okay. Among Maybe them. that's what I know it so, from. The Coasters remade it also. I mean, so there, on Wikipedia, there's about 10 different bands that covered it. So, but it looks like the Capitals was the first one. We should mention, too, that the uh, six-foot inflatable clown came back to play in that uh, scene also. Yep. Which, I don't know, was that in Dad's bag, too? <laughs> I was wondering how he yeah. got that. Yeah. That wasn't supposed to be in his bag. The Ke- Maybe now. Kevin did have two bags, because like, he didn't wear the same clothes every day, did he? It kind of seemed like it, almost. Like, I can't remember. I... I I thought of that when he got off the plane and then I forgot to look for it. Throughout I think he might movie. have a green sweater when he gets there and then a blue sweater the second day. So, I mean, he might have brought some of his own stuff with him. Um, but yeah, the, the clown showing up, like they just kind of shoehorned that into the opening scene and then th- this was the payoff. And it was just like, well, we did the the party scene in the last movie with all the cutouts and inflatable people. And we're going to do something like that here. Needs a buddy for the pool when his shorts fall off and all the old men in the tub can see him naked. Yeah. I, see, that's why it can't be, he can't have his own bag. Cause that was his dad's swim trunks. Cause they were too big. That's why they came off. Were those his dad's trunks or was it because sometimes hotels will just give you trunks or like fancy ones like that or you could buy them at the pool? I guess that could be it too. His sandals were too big for him, but that yeah, could have been hotel sandals. I thought they were like... Uh, but, but if he had his own bag, you think he would have his own trunks because they're going to Florida. Yeah, who knows? He said he packed everything. So. Although, what's the, deal with the, what's the deal with the shitty hotel that the family staying at in Florida. Cause it, like Frank makes a comment like uh, it was 
decent on her honeymoon or something like that. Like they went there. Yeah. On their honeymoon and it was nice then. But it was raining the whole time they were in Miami this time. But they pull up and it's like a shithole and they're like, <laughs> I can't believe we're living here or, you know, we're staying here while we're yeah. in Miami. So they but, just got conned into it or like, because they're staying in the Florida project basically. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now, now that we talk about it, we're uncovering several plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> Not for Hallmark too. <laughs> they need more continuity uh, people on this. How about uh, Rob Schneider delivering his press drawers the next morning? Yeah. Those things were awfully starched. Flashing those babies around the hotel. <laughs> there might be girls. <laughs> I made very sure that there weren't any. Those things are stiff. Yeah. How much starch did he put on them? I think that would be uncomfortable. Well, and then Kevin, he's just spending his dad's money. They, uh, well, actually, no, they, they got him a limousine and a cheese pizza, courtesy of the hotel. I think we're overthinking it here. It's a 10-year-old kid. He's all by himself in the hotel. If you have that much alone time, your shorts would be pretty stiff, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but generally before they get washed and pressed. And of course, you know, it's also he's watching uh, uh, Angels with, you know, Filthy Souls. Even filthier souls. It just when he was doing that, it reminded me of because uh, he's different from Billy Haywood. Because Billy Haywood watched Night Nurses from Jersey seven times in a row, right. and Kevin Gallister just watches like old gangster movies. <laughs> I think when they flashed down to Florida, there was a a sign, you know, talking about adult entertainment. You know, you can rent it in your room. There's like you just see it on the corner of the screen, like you know, you can rent porn in a room or something like that, but. But they were watching, in Florida, they were watching It's a Wonderful Life in Spanish. Yeah, why did they only have Spanish-language television in Miami? Because it's uh, they're probably in a Cuban neighborhood. So the Cubans can't watch TV in English? There's no channels? They don't get UHF for... Have you seen Scarface? Maybe seen <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they all speak English in Scarface. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I just assumed it was, uh, I don't know, maybe there was nothing else on or something, but I assumed How it was would you because they're... Bubblehead. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed it because there's a lot of Cubans in Miami. Yeah, I, I mean, I know there's a big Spanish population there, but this is America, damn it. Like, there's always, you know, a Spanish language channel. But not right. every channel is Spanish language. Like you're well, lucky to get one. There, there was only one channel that we saw, so maybe that was the only one that they got reception of. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. We could probably run through the next couple scenes pretty quick because there's a scene at the... Uh, Duncan's toy chest. So, that, yeah, there's a scene at the skating rink where Marv... Or uh, Harry explains to Marv how they're going to go rob a toy store while Marv is just snatching scarves and hats and mittens and stuff <laughs> for people who don't notice or care. And then they all end up at the Duncan's toy store. Harry and Marv are upstairs casing the joint in their little fucking dollhouses or whatever. I like how they freeze every time somebody walks by. Like nobody's going to think... You know, anything of these two middle-aged dudes, rough-looking dudes, 
sticking their heads out of these things? Like, are these supposed to be mannequins or dolls or what? Yeah, they're not very sneaky. And then uh, Kevin's there buying stuff for himself. And he has a conversation. I, I can't believe s- he was just buying like, okay, he bought soap, a map, and a Swiss Army knife. Because he gets in the limo and he's like, do you know any good toy stores? He goes there to buy fucking soap. I mean, I can see the Swiss Army knife. That's kind of cool. But then a map to get around New York. Maybe that's where he knew about the Christmas tree. Maybe. I don't know. I couldn't really, I didn't really pay attention to what he, I, was it soap that he bought? I thought it was. Yeah, monster soap. Cause he uses at the end yeah. to spray the uh, ladder. And then he pours monster it on, the, then he pours it on the floor in the basement too. Yep. Um, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't realize that was soap. <laughs> I, well, it said monster soap on it, so I don't know. Maybe it was like a, maybe it was just like slime or whatever. You know, slime yeah. was pretty popular back then. Mm-hmm. But he has this heart-to-heart conversation with the the cashier, who he later finds out is the store owner because he's got a picture of him <laughs> on the wall. His name's Mister Duncan, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he gives him twenty dollars to donate to the children's hospital. And uh, Mr. Duncan gives him some turtle dove. Gives him $20 in merchandise. <laughs> he gives him two turtle dove tree ornaments. You keep one for yourself and give one to somebody who's very special. Well, Mr. Duncan, he, uh, he, he loves children. <laughs> Bring him a lot of joy. We, go, we leave all the money in the register Christmas Eve night. And then the day after Christmas, <laughs> we open it up. Like, shouldn't you put it in the safe or something? Like, <laughs> you shouldn't just leave it in the register. Even if you can't, like, take it to the bank, you know? Seems like bad business. Yeah, after dark, you're supposed to take all your cash out of there. Especially in New York, I would think. And then outside the toy store, I, I don't really want to get into the whole sappy shit, but uh, yeah. this is where Marv and Harry really get a good look at Kevin. <laughs> they, they try to snatch him and he screams and everybody just kind of looks and then just goes about their day. <laughs> so he's got to run away. And then uh, he ends up getting away because he buys some uh, cheap imitation pearls. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, releases them on the sidewalk so Harry and Marv slip and fall on him. And then he gets into the back of a handsome cab in the, uh, like a trunk on the back of the, the uh, carriage. Yeah. And uh, back at the hotel, the concierge is waiting for him because he found out that the credit card is, is reported as stolen. Yeah, he finally ran it through the system. You know, and Kevin checked in, they just did the, uh, the carbon copy deal that they used to do. Yeah, and then uh, the concierge is like, "Well, I'm gonna put it in the fucking system." <laughs> wow, it worked! <laughs> it came up stolen. <laughs> Red flag. Then he runs them off, you know. He and they do this big chase scene, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, Rob Schneider and uh, Tim Curry run into the desk lady as Kevin slides between her legs into the elevator. They all go down. It was pretty hilarious. Yep, and this leads into uh, another rehash of the first, or uh, a joke rehash of the first movie, because they got to have a reason that there's angels with even filthier souls, because they use it again. Yep. Almost to as much comedic effect as the first one, I would argue. Almost. First one's still better. 
It's still good. This is one of the best bits in the movie. Yeah. You know. All right. Um, yeah, here's the clip. Hold it right there. This is the concierge, sir. I knew it was you. I could smell you getting off the elevator. You was here last night, too, wasn't you? Yes, sir. I was. You was here, and you were smooching with my brother. I'm afraid you're mistaken, sir. Don't give me that. You've been smooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, Little Mo with the gimpy leg, Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. No. It's a lie. I could go on forever, baby. I'm terribly sorry, sir, but I'm afraid you're mistaken. We are looking for a young man. All right. I believe you, but my Tommy gun don't. Get down on your knees and tell me you love me. My knees? I love you. You gotta do better than that. I love you. Maybe I'm off my hinges, but I believe you. That's why I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna give you to the count of three to get your lousy, lying, low-down, four-flushing carcass out my door. One, two. Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. Stay in your rooms. This is an emergency. There's an insane guest with a gun. I think the best part is when he's naming off all the people he's smooched with. And one of them is Cliff, the hotel security who's right there. But then it's like they're all looking at him like he's... Made probably nobody's looking at Tim Curry. Yeah, saying like, "Well, you made out Cliff," and then Cliff's like, "Honest, it wasn't. It wasn't me." Well, they should be looking at Curry too. Maybe it was a open secret. You know, Tim Curry. You know, <laughs> his character. Don't mention that on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, it, maybe it wasn't the surprise that he was smooching with all the guys in town. <laughs> What's his name with the gimpy leg? <laughs> Mo, I think. Mo, Mo, Mo with, with the gimpy, gimpy leg. <laughs> oh, I like how Kevin knew to pause so that they look at Cliff and they get that little exchange before he goes on to the next line in the movie. <laughs> He's, it's it, it happens multiple times in the movie where Kevin knows exactly how the conversation's going to go with his pre-recorded, uh, you know, stuff. He's a planner. Uh, I guess he, he's just clairvoyant. 
But Kevin ends up running out the back door of the hotel, right into the arms of Harry and Marv. And then Mar- yep. Marv proceeds to tell him exactly what their plan is with the fucking toy store. And he uh, gets away due to uh, uh, sexual assault. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I forget this woman showed up earlier in the movie. I, I can't remember yeah. how Marv got her attention. I think he got his, <laughs> he had wrapped his hand in tape or something. And he somehow like touched her and it got stuck. To it, was, it was her purse. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. then he unstuck it from her purse. And then he was trying to speak French to her <laughs> and she slapped him. And then he stuck his hand to his face. He just assumed she was French. I don't think she even talks. Like, I don't know how you'd, but uh, yeah, she just happens to be in front of them at a stoplight as they're waiting to cross the street. And Kevin pinches her butt. And then uh, <laughs> she recognizes Marv and decks him. And then Kevin says, no, it was this other guy. And she decks Harry. And that allows Kevin to escape to his uncle's house. Luckily, his dad had put his little black address book in his bag because otherwise he would have never known to go to his uncle's house in New York. I guess that's the thing. They're like, oh, isn't they, aren't they still in Paris? Is what uh, the wife asked Peter. Yeah. So they're they're in Paris. And they're like, well, aren't they renovating? But it's, so, oh, so is family i guess just goes to paris every christmas apparently yeah i don't know it was uh what uncle rob i don't know if yeah. uncle rob was in the first movie i'm guessing not but no they uh i mean they had a lot of money too that was like a three or four story home but i don't know why there was a big hole in the fucking first floor <laughs> like even if they're renovating wouldn't you think there would still be like a floor there yeah it was it's kind of like you need some of the floor. This doesn't look like a, a renovation. This looks like a condemnation. This would make more sense if it was like him going to his poor uncle's house in Baltimore or something. Or maybe like the house that that bird lady's squatting in. <laughs> I'm surprised she's not living in Uncle Rob's house. <laughs> because that thing was in rough repair. And I, I get that it's like Christmas Eve or whatever, but uh, yeah, there's nobody like nobody on site when he goes there, like at any time. And uh, I don't know, it didn't, there was some materials and stuff, but it didn't, I guess there was a tool chest. So maybe there were people that were working on it. But the, the final scene at the house, I remember rewinding over and over as a kid specifically the brick scene yeah and marv getting electrocuted and him <laughs> screaming at different <laughs> volumes and pitches and <laughs> there's actually like a, a whole half hour before we get to that because <laughs> we gotta talk about that still <laughs> well i just want to run through real quick how we get there because it's so it, he ends up going back to the park and it's real scary and then he meets the pigeon lady and now they're friends because he's sorry that he screamed at her and she's just a person and blah 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 and then uh he gets the courage from her to go back to uncle rob's house to prepare for marvin harry like the psychopath that kevin McAllister is and then uh he goes and interrupts the robbery at the toy store to lure them back to Uncle Rob's house. 
I don't know if you want to go into the the Toy Store robbery. It was a lot shorter than I remembered. Only yeah. like a, a minute or two. And it takes a bunch of pictures and stuff. I was gonna say the uh the pigeon lady's sob story isn't that much of a sob story. You <laughs> used to have a husband, you used to have a family. It's, no, you just had a husband. <laughs> right. Because she says husband in the family, but she doesn't have kids. She wanted him very much, but he didn't, and then he fell out of love with her. And then that somehow caused her to lose her job and I mean, maybe she wasn't working because she was, I don't know, but she wasn't a stay-at-home mom because there was no, she wasn't a mom. So I don't know. Well, she must. Uh, maybe she was a trophy wife before all the bird shit. <laughs> I think it's, it's probably pretty obvious that she has mental uh, health yeah. issues, but like they don't really like go that deep into it. It's just, it sounds like you got, dumped by your husband and then (laughs) so now i'm homeless you couldn't cope (laughs) with it because you're not a fully functioning human being yeah but yeah anyways um yeah the the family gets to new york in the meantime too and kevin's mom goes to uncle rob's house and leaves right before kevin shows up Mm -hmm. i wrote down all the stuff that he does to these two guys you want to Guess how many of these things would have killed them, especially Marv. Well, I see those uh, articles come out every year around Christmas. And it's like, this is what would really happen to their bodies if this happened to them in real <laughs> life, that type of thing. Like from doctors and things like that. I'll say what, well, this is going to break his pelvis here and, <laughs> in three places and you know that type of thing. You're going to want to check out the Christmas episode of the Positively Wolfly podcast. All right. Because I got to couple like actual christmas articles but another one i picked because it made me think of the home alone series and it's about a guy who is trying to break into a home and the window came crashing down on his neck and killed him and i thought that would be pretty funny in a home alone movie if that happened and they're just kind of hanging from the window but it's i think a number of these things would be much worse than that yeah so it starts off with Kevin's on the roof throwing bricks. It's like a, what, three or four story house. And he's throwing bricks to the street. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Marv takes four right to the dome. <laughs> like in succession. <laughs> and Harry's just like, uh, you know, dodging him and mocking Kevin and stuff and taunting him. And meanwhile, Marv's just getting lit up. Oh, that's it. Nobody throws bricks at me. (laughs) (laughs) So Harry goes around back. Meanwhile, Marv tries to get in the front door. The doorknob just comes loose. It's tied to a rope or like a string. (laughs) And he pulls and pulls and pulls. (laughs) Yep. And uh, just happens to be a staple gun on the other side of the, the door. And he gets one in the butt. And then he turns around and gets one in the dick. And then he drops to his knees and gets one right in the nose. Mm. Sound effects are great there. <laughs> it reminded me of New Jack, the original gangster. He used to use the, the staple gun. When he murdered people? I'm sorry, <laughs> when he justifiably murdered people? Or in the ring? No, this was for entertainment in the, in the wrestling <laughs> ring. <laughs> Justifiable homicide. With a staple gun. (laughs) 
remember he stabled the guy's ear to his head one time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, round back, Harry decides he's going to climb up the fire escape, gets on some, I don't know, boxes or something, and takes a, a jump at the, the ladder, which is kind of up. And uh, it's greasy with that soap that we mentioned. Slides right mm-hmm. off, takes a big back bump uh, on the concrete. It's about a 10-foot drop. Sure does. Marv finally gets inside the uh, the house. And for some reason, he doesn't look down, takes, takes a big step. And he can't see the floor 15 feet in front of him? Because like, that hole went on for days. I know. That was a huge hole. It was at least 10 by 10, you know, round. Mm-hmm. And uh, he takes that big step. It's the first step's a doozy, just like Bugs Bunny. And uh, he's reached the top, even though he's not in the top. He's on the on the main floor. And he takes a, he takes a face plant to the basement. It's about a you know another ten or twelve foot drop. Yep. He gets about uh, a whole shelf of paint cans knocked on him. Yeah, he starts walking and sl- starts sliding on the floor. You know, he 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 catch, catches himself at first, and then. I don't know how he falls straight down and then all of a sudden he shoots forward 20 <laughs> feet at like 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, just shoots into the, the shelf and yeah. falls on him. And the whole thing comes crashing down. He gets a bunch of paint in his mouth too, which yeah, may have been the most no disturbing part. That Blu-ray really made it clear they had paint in the mouth. Uh, meanwhile, Harry tries to get in the back door, starts turning the, the door <laughs> What did you say? So trying to get in the back door. <laughs> Please don't isolate that. <laughs> Did you see on uh, Movie Drone podcast the Steve or, or Mark challenged Steve to watch a, a movie with Woody Harrelson in it, and Steve said that he liked a bit of Woody, and I screen recorded that off my phone and I tweeted it at him. And, uh, <laughs> he didn't watch Norbit because of that. He was going to watch oh, really? Norbit and then he said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but anyways. You just tell him Woody Harrelson's in it, even though he's not. <laughs> if he likes a bit of Woody. That's, that's the word on the street. <laughs> but yeah, Harry's trying to open the back door. And there's a bag of tools that he doesn't see. And there's a string connected to the door that's connected to the zipper on the bag. Unzips it. Bunch of tools fall right on his head. Wrenches and hammers and stuff. Heavy stuff. Like, yeah. Definitely something that would knock you out or kill you. Indeed. <laughs> and he gets uh, his head lit on fire again. Why does he not look up? Like he checks the the sides of the door, but he doesn't check the uh, the top. And it, yeah, that's basically the only light he doesn't like. Isn't apprehensive about right. Every light he turns on, he kind of <laughs> you know flinches and looks up. False. And this thing, he's like ah. False sense of security. Yeah, he lured him into a false sense of security. You got it. But he does a handstand into the toilet bowl, which I think he had gasoline in there. Was it some kind of? Uh, Highly flammable liquid. Yeah. It could have been like 
They show him pouring it know, in like jet fuel or something. Yeah, I forget. They show him pouring it in earlier when he's prepping, but uh, maybe it was paint thinner. I forget. Oh, it, it was paint in the basement. It was like gasoline or kerosene or something like that. He uses yeah, the ca- kerosene's a darker color, right? It's not clear. Maybe he uses the kerosene later. Um, for we'll get to it, but um, and then you know Marv's getting up with all the paint on him. Um, oh, I should say after. Harry does the headstand in the toilet bowl. There's an, like a Looney Tunes explosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's got the black soot all over his face. <laughs> I love the outside shot of the house when it blows up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's like Die Hard when he drops a plastic explosive down the elevator and blows out a, blows out a whole floor. <laughs> that's, that's legit Looney Tunes shit. Like, I've been watching a lot yeah. of Looney Tunes, and they, it's like this whole segment is Looney Tunes, like, come to life. Um, yeah, down in the basement, Marv is trying to turn on the faucet to uh, wash the paint off his face. And Kevin's there with the generator hooked up to the faucet handles, and he's controlling how much Marv is getting electrocuted. And as you said, this is one of the best scenes in the movie because Marv's just, like, he progressively screams louder and higher pitched. <laughs> And then he turns into a fucking skeleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Great moment in Home Alone too. And he somehow survives. He sees a rope. Seven and eight year old me was just dying <laughs> laughing. It was great. I for sure saw this one in the theater. I think I saw both this one and the first one in the theater. But Yeah, I saw it in the theater. I guess I would have been six at the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I remember... I think my uncle and aunts were in from out of town, like visiting us. And uh, it was around Christmas time. And of course, like, you know, family wants to, you know, hang out, be family. But the little kids are like, Home Alone 2. Can we go to Home Alone 2? <laughs> so I made everyone go to Home Alone 2. I think that's the way to go. The next calamity that Marv gets is he, he sees a rope and he's like, I'm going to climb to the first floor well there's a hundred bag or a hundred pound bag of concrete on the other end takes him (laughs) takes it right to the head (laughs) like that's a broken neck right there harry's trying to chase kevin up a ladder but kevin has conveniently cut it so that uh when harry gets on there it just collapses and goes face first to the ground Uh, what kind of metal bar hit him on the stairway I think it was a pipe. I think it was just a pipe. But that was a big, heavy It's like the metal main object. Like the main drain. Because <laughs> 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 they're so clever, they miss the paint cans. But then they don't. <laughs> they, uh, they pretend to run up the stairs. Like, wouldn't they be wary of the stairs just in general? Like, yeah. I thought, oh, maybe they'll go through it, but... He does the paint camp thing again. And Marv's just loving it. He's like, we outwitted this kid. We're so smart. And then that pipe comes, knocks him off the stairs, and then through that floor, that hole in the floor, down to the basement again. And then Kevin cuts it loose, and it rolls down on top of them one more time. It reminds me, I think it was, it came out more recently, uh, one of the, I guess, maybe more recent seasons of Family Guy, 
There was a cutaway gag and it was a home alone with competent burglars. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, be careful. There's uh, micro machines on the floor. And then, like one of the robbers just shoots Kevin and like, falls down the stairs all bloody. You know, it's pretty hilarious. Harry had a gun this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he says, I have a gun. And he never uses it. I don't know why he doesn't use it, but. He does try to shoot the pigeon lady. But... I, guess, I guess they needed to get him somewhere where there were no witnesses, but. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so from there, they get up. They manage to get back up to the first floor, up to the second floor. Kevin's on the third floor. And there's a door uh, at the bottom of the stairs. And uh, Harry and Marv pull on the door handle. Another string on the door handle. This giant uh, tool chest is on the other side. And it just comes barreling down the stairs. And Harry and Marv are just like, what's that noise? What is that? They just kind of stand there. And then it... It goes through the door and squashes them against the wall on the other side. And then it kind of clears out and their noses are both crooked. <laughs> Which was a pretty, pretty good sight gag of them with the crooked, nose, crooked noses and then straightening them out. Yeah, snapping them back into place. Yep. Um, there was a sound of a tool chest <laughs> falling down the stairs. <laughs> We get, uh, from there, Kevin's up on the roof. He rappels down on a rope to the street. Marv and Harry give chase. Actually, Marv tries to throw a brick at him first. Misses badly. And then uh, as they're going... Suck brick, kid. <laughs> <laughs> as they're going down the rope, Marv is like, Hey, Harry, are you wearing cologne? Like, that's ke- Aftershave, yeah. That's kerosene. <laughs> the rope is soaked in it. <laughs> This this really shows where Kevin's uh, mind is at because he lights the rope on fire with them, um, you know, three stories up. Mm-hmm. Ugh, fall through the. They they fall to their deaths, <laughs> or so they would have us believe. Well, they fall through that scaffolding, which throws all the varnish up in the air, and mm-hmm. that comes down on top of them. So they're covered in varnish. Kevin calls the police. On his way to the park. He says, watch out for fireworks. And then. Uh, Kevin Kevin gets caught, but is saved by Pigeon Lady. By throwing the. They can hear it. <laughs> by throwing the, the pigeon feed. Yeah. On them. On their wet bodies. <laughs> and then the pigeon. That pigeon scene was horrifying. <laughs> like Marv. Like I feel Tippy bad. Hedron had flashbacks. <laughs> I feel bad for uh, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci if they actually had it. Like, Daniel Stern for sure had to do it because he was actually like putting his head up and screaming and shit. But I don't know if Joe Pesci was in there if they had a body double. Yeah. Kevin sets off his fireworks, which he bought earlier <laughs> in Chinatown. Rob Schneider, Rob Schneider put on his, his coat and his hat. <laughs> Rob Schneider needed the money, I think. Maybe not. He was he was on SNL at the time, so I guess he was doing okay. But it seemed like something he'd do. But uh, Kevin was uh, he had bought fireworks in Chinatown early in the movie when he got to New York. Sets those off now. Police come almost immediately. 
like best response time in the city of New York, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, we mentioned earlier, Marv can't stop spilling the beans. (laughs) (laughs) Sticky bandits. Uh, Kevin goes to uh, the Christmas tree, Rockefeller Center, where, well, Kevin's mother has to stop and accost those police officers in the car <laughs> to uh, look for her son. And then uh, then she figures it out herself. Did you file a she report? Then tree. the cop asked her if she filed a report, and she's like, yeah. Nothing you can do. That's it. That's all we can do. You know, It's a big city. A lot of people. Needle in a haystack. <laughs> so, yeah, they find each other and takes them back to the plaza. Where the whole family's got, like, the like a presidential suite or something. Yeah, it's like the penthouse. Yeah, the penthouse. And it's funny because uh, so everyone wakes up and they're all like head to toe. And you talked about Fuller's in his own bed. Yeah. You know, full of Coke cans. <laughs> but Mr. and Mrs. McAllister are in the master bedroom suite or part of the penthouse just by themselves. Maybe because they were like paying for everything in Florida. They think they're better than everyone else. Yeah, I don't know. And they can make everyone like s- sleep like side by side well it's just the kids because frank and his wife have a bedroom and then i think oh did they i thought they were sleeping with everyone else on cots no because they were kind of off to the side somebody yelled at them to wake up and then Mm. i think kevin's parents might have been upstairs like it's a two-story suite like it's they come on those expensive robes yeah i don't think i noticed until this time that they actually do have a short scene of them unloading all the Christmas presents and stuff out front. Yeah. Like, Duncan somehow knows that not only is Kevin staying at the plaza, but apparently his whole family is in there and there's 14 of them and everyone needs presents. Right. <laughs> I guess he's doing that instead of bringing his money to the children's hospital. Yeah. Like, so they got presents and can't afford to donate to the hospital. I got to give money. I got to give presents to the this rich family because the kid broke my window. Mm-hmm. But Kevin can't be bothered with nice presents because he's got to go. Got to go give his turtle dove to a pigeon lady. Which, <laughs> like, I get why they did it, but it doesn't make sense because the scene right before this, Kevin's like, "I miss my family. I wish I could spend Christmas with them and my mom and." I would just love to be with them again because, you know, same shit as the last year, you know, where he realizes it's better to have the family than to be by himself and blah, blah, blah. And then he immediately leaves as soon as he gets reunited. (laughs) And then he's probably on the run again because he spent $967 on room service. (laughs) That was with added gratuity. Yeah. It was like two hundred dollars a gratuity added. Well, he had his own ice cream butler. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he gives the pigeon lady one of his turtle doves, and then uh, he promises that he'll never forget her. And I, I'm guessing that he probably does. I, I'm guessing yeah. they never saw each other again. Never, you know. She probably just stayed in that fucking park. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Roll credits. Anything you wanted to talk about before we get into fun facts? No, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Like there's a bunch of scenes where they're just like straight up. They're like, you know, this already happened. This happened last year. It's the same shit again. It was like the writers 
or, or you know, John Hughes, I think probably said like, I don't have any more ideas beyond the first movie. So I'm just going to rehash as much as possible in this one. And then hopefully it'll be successful, you know, but uh, it, it doesn't seem like it was probably, it probably wasn't his idea to do another one, but you know, yeah, stick with what worked, but <laughs> But I think he he put those little lines in there to to kind of show like, you know, I'm a, I don't really have any other ideas, so we're just gonna redo what we did last time. Hey everybody, here's some fun facts. There's so many uh, fun facts in here, so we'll only do several of them. But Macaulay Culkin was paid four and a half million dollars to star in this movie, which was the biggest salary ever to an 11 year old uh, at the time. 11-year-old child actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin made a lot of money in his youth. And he managed his money very well, I've heard. Well, he had a lot still of... Still very well off. He had a lot of drug problems, but I think he's cleaned up. At least, yeah. I think he cleaned up a while ago, but there was like a 10-year span where like, he was on heroin or whatever, but I, it doesn't seem like he used up all his money on that it seems like he was not when he was well with Mila Kunis though right I don't remember because they were together for like a lot longer than you would think and then yeah like six seven years I think something like that like, I think they were together for almost 10 years before it got out in the in the media yeah hmm. it was weird here's a fun fact I like this fun fact despite the title Kevin is not really home alone but rather in New York City alone <laughs> <laughs> 21 out of 160 found this interesting well the subtitle is lost in new york so that <laughs> uh after one scene macaulay culkin asked joe pesci why he never smiled Pesci told him to shut up at the time pesci said he's pampered a lot by a lot of people but not me and i think he likes that <laughs> here's a fun fact Oh, here it says the pigeon attack sequence was filmed on March 25th, 1992. According to Joe Pesci, the crew covered him and Daniel Stern with real bird seed and about 300 pigeons. So that was Joe Pesci in there with them. That's too real. I think that's, that's a real commitment to a, you know, a silly family comedy. Daniel Stern said a pigeon really flew into his mouth. Quote, that was revolting. Here's another fun fact. So here's the translation of the French man on the plane. Okay. Said, what's that? I'm from France and I'm a tourist here. It's my first time coming to America. Do you know a good restaurant? Or maybe your parents, they know a good place. Why aren't you responding? You speak a bit of French, right? I don't speak English at all. Give me a bit of help at least. My name is Andre. What's your name? <laughs> So the airport scenes were filmed with the airport uh, staying operational during filming. And uh, it made it difficult because of Macaulay Culkin's celebrity status. So they had to have extra security due to fans and paparazzi. Mm. Just a lot of worthless trivia ones I'm looking at here. I think they order them in the order of most interesting now. Really? I think so. 
So throughout the course of this movie, Marv steals seven items in broad daylight. Mittens, one scarf, one cowboy hat, one wrapped present, earmuffs, a beanie, and a handful of change. I do love that cowboy hat when he's just walking across and he grabs that dude's hat. That's right. And he pulls the change out of the Salvation Army bucket. (laughs) Here he's just, what are you going to steal 14 cents? (laughs) Every little bit helps. The Pigeon Lady character was based on the old bird woman from Mary Poppins. I don't remember the last time I saw Mary Poppins, so I couldn't uh, tell you anything about that. Did you notice the director cameo? Chris Columbus is holding a child and pointing to a stack of toys when Kevin walked through the toy store. I don't think I could point out Chris Columbus, you know, if he had a shirt on that said, I'm Chris Columbus. I think it was, I noticed it at the time, I wasn't exactly sure, like, I don't know what he looks like, but I thought that was probably the director. Because it was kind of a weird shot and how it was framed. I was like, well, I don't think they meant to frame an extra like that. Did he have his tri-corner hat and puffy shirt on? (laughs) Uh, Here's a fun fact. uh, The Plaza Hotel used to offer the Home Alone experience around Christmas where guests could pay to stay in a room similar to the room in which Kevin stayed. Receive Home Alone gifts, including the movies, and take a limousine and see some of the filming locations, including the toy store upon which Duncan's toy chest was based. As of March 1, 2008, the plaza has been a combination of hotel rooms and private condominium units. I don't know what that last sentence means, to be honest. Well, I think that might about do it. There's a lot of worthless trivia bits in here. Yeah, I'm sure. People like to put those worthless ones in there. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of middling interesting facts if you go to IMDb. (laughs) All right, well, I think that'll about do it. Um, You want to plug anything else for your other show? Uh, yeah, check out the Positively Wolfy podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Positively Wolfy podcast, it should come up. Um, yeah, and then uh, check that out. So, unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. So, it's kind of fun banter, stories, etc., about uh, real news stories that are questionably uh, real. And where can you find merchandise for your show and our show? And do you have any new merchandise that reflects uh, the vaccine? <laughs> I haven't put new stuff up uh, in a while, but I, I might be able to. I'm going to think of some designs. But uh, they're both on Teespring. You go to teespring.com slash stores. Teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie for WTM merchandise or teespring.com slash stores slash positively wolfy for positively wolfy podcast merchandise. All right. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or Brett at positively or Brett at positively wolf one. 
Uh, check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.